Welcome to the apartment. My name is Ali Baluch. Missing is our co-host, Asaf Ali. Um, this is actually the first interview that I've done without a co-host, which was a little bit weird for me, but I think we kind of got the hang of it um, th- throughout the, the episode. This is the apartment. It's our chance to sit with our favorite content creators, influencers, entertainers, comedians, athletes, musicians, and just really figure out what influences them and their work ethic. And that's exactly what this episode is really focused on. We have the brilliant, insightful Hassan Minhaj from The Daily Show. And we really dive into the sacrifices that he had to make, the challenges that he had to overcome, and just his work ethic, because that's what he's known for in the industry is just how hard he works. And right now he is touring. He had like 20, like right now he has 20 shows left of his one man show that he's been doing homecoming king the link is in that in the description if you want to watch his one man show i highly highly recommend it we all watched it yesterday uh, when he was here in la and it just blew us away um we are on facebook so go and check out our facebook uh i think it's facebook.com backslash apartment podcast I, something like that but just look up the apartment with us Lee. you'll find us and also if you can't sit here for the full hour in some minutes uh check us out on itunes on the go listen to us in the car and for you fellow android users man we are also on uh stitcher so if you don't have itunes or the ipod thing which you know we android users we don't need that we got stitcher uh we're there too uh, we're on soundcloud as well so this is episode six with hassan minhaj are right, you ready? Yeah, let's do it. Oh, this is so <laughs> tight. This is so funny to me. All right. All right. Um, all right. Usually I have awesome. So this is like first time I'm doing this solo. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, I have to do your intro. Right. Okay. So today we have, okay, I'm going to do it. Do it the real way. Yeah, I'm not going to do like Hassan. No, no, no. I talk about it in the show. Yeah. 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 We have Hassan Minhaj. Yeah. He's a stand-up comedian, actor, writer, and producer from Davis, California. Son made his, uh, made it on the comedy scene in LA, being on numerous commercial spots, and then being the host of Philosophy on MTV. Now Hassan is a senior correspondent on The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, formerly uh, John Stewart, John Stewart. For, for the millennials who haven't really caught on, or, or the older generation that don't know the switch, right. and is touring the country with a sold out show, Homecoming King which by the way we saw last night and it was incredible so welcome welcome to the apartment man Dude, thanks for coming man. thanks for having me actually. no man yeah thank you for ma- making time um you've done a lot of podcasts like like we just talked we're about. keeping it strictly koreatown right now i had to drop in for this though oh yeah for sure this man. is so meta to me because i'm seeing zane and zane like i'm seeing hashtag team light skin right oh, here oh uh, team light skin okay yeah, yeah <laughs> it's funny because whenever i like color correct the episodes uh-huh. i try to make it a little like i'm like why am i so pasty you know because i'm next to Asa. oh and i'm like damn right. and i didn't didn't realize how pasty i was until like i'm sitting next to Asif. no me and my you know me and Asif, we're indian brothers we got a lot of melanin so oh, for sure man um i just want to like really jump into things you know because i know people who know you mm-hmm. i think i kind of know you as well a little bit yeah um and i heard some things that was like okay okay before that before that what was like the first spark for you to be like I want to get into comedy. Like, what was that moment? Yeah. So I did um, speech and debate and FBLA yeah. in high school. Oh, yeah. And so... Future Business Leaders future, of future business leader America. America. And yeah. you have to do impromptu speaking yeah, and yeah. then academic decathlon, same thing. So, like, speech, um, speech and debate sort of stuff. And to me, I had never really been exposed to stand-up comedy. And then I went into college and... 
uh, a buddy of mine, Imran J. Khan, actually, who you know, the, our producer on the show, producer, yeah. he had downloaded all this stuff, okay. all this comedy. Yeah. And he was like, listen, he was watching it on his like little laptop. Yeah. Yeah. And I went into his apartment and he, he we we're watching Chris Rock's Never Scared. So this dates it to 2004. Okay. And I, wa- I walk in, it's Chris Rock's Never Scared, maroon suit. Yeah. And I look at it, I was like, oh, this is funny speech and debate. Yeah. And it clicked in that mm-hmm. moment. I was like, oh, that's what yeah funny speech and debate yeah comedy that's stand-up. what that's what stand-up is yeah, yeah i was like i can do this like yeah. this is this is the thing and that was the spark that i was like all right i gotta do it okay mm-hmm. so then what was mr india west coast that was a thing where i needed a tape okay so when i first discovered stand-up yeah i was like okay i need uh, I went to Google mm-hmm. and it was like how to become a stand-up comedian okay. and it was like you need a headshot you need a tape you need a whatever all this stuff yeah call your local comedy club I was like easy I'll call my local comedy club now I hadn't been exposed to any comedy really at this point the only stand-up comedy that I'd seen at that point was uh, was Seinfeld yeah and I was like oh that's the worst part of stand-up where he's like stand that's the worst part of the episode where he's standing in front of the yeah, brick yeah, the, the, the intro and yeah the intro, and he's like yeah. what's the deal with laundry and you're like this is it yeah that's stand-up I don't like stand-up get to the episode Jerry yeah. um and so when it said call your local comedy club I was like okay so I go to the Sacramento Punchline website I look up who was playing that weekend and it was Dave Chappelle but I didn't know who it was Ooh. I had no idea who Dave Chappelle was yeah, yeah. so I called the comedy club I was like hi um I was wondering can I open for Dave Chappelle this weekend and they were like, oh my Who? God. yeah, they're like Dave Chappley. Like, excuse me. I said, yeah, Dave Chappley. Can I open for Dave Chappley? And they thought I was like prank calling them. Yeah, like yeah. what? Chappelle season one had like come out at this mm-hmm. point, but still I was, a lo- like, I was just behind the zeitgeist. Um, yeah, and that they- was in maybe, oh, four. Yeah. That was like two years after killing him softly. Yeah. 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 So it's season one of Chappelle yeah. or maybe season it had just dropped. Yeah. But he was turning that corner from being like everybody in comedy knew who he was to like everybody, everybody knew who he was. Mm -hmm. So I then go, the lady on the phone thought I was sort of pranking her. So she was like, you need a tape. Give me a tape. Give me a headshot. Give me all this stuff. I was like, Oh my. So then I start looking up how much photographers are. I start looking up how much all this stuff is like, and I'm like, I I don't know. I don't, how am I going to get a tape? Yeah. And then my sister tells me, she's like, Oh, there's this like Mr. India thing and you can do a talent. Yeah. And if you do the talent, they also tape it for like ZTV and whatever. So they'll take photographs of you and you do this talent show thing. And I was like, okay, sweet. I sign up. I do it for the tape to do the talent. My talent uh, like guys were up there, they were going up there and they were singing. Mm. They were like doing bhangra. They were doing like really traditional stuff. And then I did stand up comedy and I took this tape and this, basically these photographs of me in a, in like a tuxedo yeah. on stage. And then I sent that to the, I brought, I like sent that to the club. I came to the club and the lady who I had talked to on the phone, I was like, here you go. This is my tape and this is my headshot. Yeah. And she was like, what is this? Mm-hmm. And I was like, the tape and headshot that you wanted. And she's like, just come every Sunday. Yeah. She's like, you're the kid who was saying Dave Chapley. Yeah. I just told you to do that. Cause I, I didn't know if you were like a yeah. crazy person, just come every Sunday. Yeah. And that's when I started coming to the punchline, okay. waiting and lining up in the back of the punchline on Sundays yeah. to try to get stage time. So that was like the beginning of it all. So you use this competition and you, I heard you won. I, I won. You I won. Mr. Indian. won. Yeah. Mr. India West Coast. California. 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 Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mr. India California. That yeah. was pretty crazy, man. Th- to yeah. use that and then be like, okay, I'm gonna like use that as like practice and as resources, you know, for your But resources. I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. Like it was just like, you know, you, you just get pushed into the ocean and you're like, I'll I'll do whatever I can to swim. Yeah. So to me I was like, hey man, whatever I gotta do to 
get what I need to get on stage. Yeah. You know? So when you started off, were you, were you a strong comedian? Was no. Your, okay. I don't think so. Um, one thing that kind of sets you apart from a lot of other comedians is your worth work ethic. I can I think you're kind of recognized in the industry and in the comedy scene for your work ethic. You know, what was that like push where you're like, had like, cause you had to, you've developed in like the past 15 years, you developed to who you are right now, you right, know? Right, so right. how did that like happen? Like what kind of hours did you put in? Like where, cause like there isn't a comedy scene in Davis. Like, Correct. I don't like Davis is not, nor is yeah. Sacramento known for, yeah. you know? So for me, it was just, you know, I, like when you grow up in a small town yeah. and you're like a child of immigrants or whatever, you know, you're just like, I got to do whatever it takes to yeah. try to get by to do mm -hmm. it. And also I'm the eldest, so I don't have any really like structure support. I didn't have guidance. I didn't have elder siblings. Yeah. I didn't have mentors. Right. Cause when I started doing comedies, Oh four, mm -hmm. you got to understand Russell's big YouTube break. Remember yeah. somebody's going to get hurt oh, real yeah. bad. That came out, I think November Oh five. Yeah. It came out like 2000 yeah, and that's when it was like, Oh, an Indian standard. Exactly. Indian so before that there was nobody, nobody like outside of like other people of color, like, uh, Lopez and Mencia, there was like yeah. really nobody. Now I know like Maz Jabrani, Ahmed Ahmed, those guys were doing it, but not in a way where like, they weren't mainstream. They weren't in yeah. any town America knows who these guys yeah. are. Cause Russell went viral, yeah. you know, and everybody knew that one. Yeah. Line. But for you to be like, cause it, it's hard for, especially I'm sure you were like what? 18 at the time, you 18, know, yeah. mm -hmm. to be like, Oh, there's no other brown dudes in comedy yeah. that are like uh South Asian or middle yeah. Eastern or whatever. Yeah. What kind of made you think that like, I can actually do this. I, the, so 2004 was like a really, you talk about Malcolm Gladwell, like uh 10,000 hours, 10,000 hours, uh, outliers moment. Yeah. The outlier moment for me was when 2004, I'm walking through downtown Davis mm -hmm. and I walked past Holiday Cinema and I saw the poster for Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. Mm. And that's when I was like, it, it just blew my mind. Cal Penn. I saw Cal Penn and John Cho. Yeah, totally on the, forgot about On the Cal movie Penn. poster. Yeah. And so to me, I was like, oh, it's possible. And then just knowing that it was possible was a game changer. Mm -hmm. What if I had decided to start comedy in say the year 2000? Yeah maybe the circumstances of the business would have gotten me down yeah. to realize that it wouldn't have been possible. But the fact that I started in 04, mm -hmm. then in 05, Russell blows up. Yeah. Then in like 07, I hear about Aziz Ansari. Yeah. Then in like 09, I hear about Kumail Nanjiani. Yeah. Then in da -da -da, like all these things st start happening where it's encouragement. Yeah. It's like, oh man, like this is feasible. Oh. That, you know, and like at that same time I hear about like Asif Manvi. Like, so I'm like, oh, there's a real a real legitimate thing here. Yeah. You know? So you didn't see it as damn, these guys are going to take my spot. No, I just thought like, this is, this is possible. Do you feel like other people felt that when you kind of made it like, Oh, like, you know, they're only a certain select slots for oh, like Indian Brown comedian. Oh, you mean minorities? Yeah. Yeah. And I, you take it and some on the, somebody else is like, he didn't deserve that. Man. I think when you really get into it, especially when you really start to think about casting and television movies and, Etc. Yeah. They they see everybody. Mm -hmm. So, look, they really, 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 really want that perfect thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like, trust me, when I've I've seen friends get get other roles, and I'll watch them do it, and I'm like, man, they're yeah, they can do that better than me. Yeah. That dude, um, I remember like I auditioned for Pitch Perfect, 
And then my buddy oh, okay. Utkarsh and Butkar got yeah. it. And Utkarsh is like incredible. Mm-hmm. He's an incredible rapper. And yeah, singer. yeah, yeah. I'm like, I can't do what he does. Yeah. He's amazing. So to me, the, the cool thing about starting comedy was you're basically just developing your own unique skill set. Yeah. Right? Like, it's like, these are my superpowers. So I'm just going to cultivate them and like mm-hmm. make them as good as I possibly can. Yeah, for sure. All right. Let's go back to what you're talking about, like that 10,000 hours, right? You know, mm-hmm. um, developing your skill and like honing it down, you know? Right. So like, all right, right. so Davis college town, small town, not known for comedy. Where would you go? What would you do? Right. So I would go to Sacramento and drive to San Francisco for okay. open mics. And how often would you go out to SF? Every, uh, SF, I would go like several times a week. So, and that's yeah. like a hour and a half hour to and two half hour drive. Yeah. yeah. And then I, what I figured out is like, and again, like I'm lucky. I grew up during the internet, yeah. like in, in social media, right? It was just starting to take off. So one thing I learned was that um, I was like, oh, like colleges, clubs, they get budgets. Yeah. For you can, you know, if you open up a club, you can get a, you can get a budget to do activities. Yeah. So I was like, well, why don't I? If I can't always drive to the comedians, I can bring the comedians to me. Yeah. So why don't I put together a club, apply for money, and then invite comedians acts mm-hmm. to my university yeah. and put on these shows. Then I can get a ton of stage time yeah. opening for these guys. So I put together this this co- comedian group called Gridiron Gang with Imran. It was me, Imran, and um, Greg, mm-hmm. this guy named Greg. And the three of us put together the show. Greg was a popular improviser. Imran was like a filmmaker, comedian, and then I was doing comedy. And then we would invite bigger comedians to come in and do the show with us. Yeah. And it gave us a ton of stage time. And it just got me to be able to spend time around comedians that were more experienced than me. Yeah. I just kept building. That's, that's all I kept doing was like, this is where I'm at in my life. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do this to the best of my ability. I'm going to do this gridiron gang, college, comedy, open mic circuit to the best of my ability. I'll bring in, I thought, you know, these guys were big acts from San Francisco. Yeah. I'll bring them in. And these guys went on to go become real headliners. Reggie Steele, Moshe Kasher, Ali Wong, mm. Mo Mandel. Like, yeah. These guys are, yeah. They're yeah, doing yeah. Gr- w. Kamau Bell. Like, okay. these guys are doing great. Yeah. Now I got all this exposure to them. Then I moved to San Francisco after graduation. And then I was like, man, I want to be one of the best comedians in San Francisco. I want to just be as good as I possibly can. And then I moved to LA. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, your comedy, um, watching your stand up a lot. You haven't really relied on the whole Indian accent, right. You know, impersonations of parents, you know, right, right, right. But well, I do talk about parents. You do talk, talk about, about parents, parents, right. But in a very smart thought out way, it's right. not like, you know, accent and let me do a silly little accent for a gag, you know, okay. what kind of like prevented you from like continuing that, you know, cause, um, there are people of color that, you know, whatever their minorities, they'll go up on stage and they'll do like the Iranian accent of uh, imitate their parents or the, you know, like they'll speak, um, Spanish, you know, if they're, but then like, and there are Indian uh, comedians yeah. who go up there and just do that. Like, yeah, I, I just I don't think I was very good at it. And so you tried it. Uh, I mean, I've tried it. I mean, of course, like when you when you're a kid and you're imitating your parents, mm. I just wasn't very good at it. And there's guys look, I, I honestly I just I don't discriminate. Like if if that's what your strength is, if that's what your superpower is, go yeah. for it. It just wasn't my strength. OK, so to me, it was just I just kept trying to. And it took me a long time to like. I'm still, I don't think I'm a great standup. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I'm still just trying to chip away. Yeah. Like, um, I remember seeing like my buddy Fahim, you know, Fahim, oh, right? Of course. Yeah. He's on the podcast. He'll be coming soon. Oh yeah? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember seeing him in like 05, 06 mm-hmm. and just like, 
he has it. Yeah. He has it. His brain works that way. Yeah. You know, and to me, um, I, I just kept, kept with it to be like, I want to double down on my strengths. Yeah. You know, and, and, and just find the things that I'm good at and really, Mm -hmm. really hone those skill sets. So what was Burbank, California to you? What, how did that play that city play a role? I mean, it was just hard. I mean, moving to LA was just hard. Okay. Burbank, Studio City, Pasadena. I first moved to Pasadena, okay. then Burbank, then Studio City. But yeah, it was just rough. And did you give yourself, uh, so how was it? Well, I mean, I, I, did you give yourself like a deadline? I, I don't, I mean. Because I, I remember the last time you mentioned, you were like, you gave yourself one year. And uh-huh. you're like, if I don't make it in this one year. I don't know if it was the I don't make it. I think it was my my LSAT score was expiring. Oh, okay. And so that was a big thing. So I was I was butting heads with my parents. Mm. To me, the stuff was inching along fine. Yeah. But it was getting you know when I first moved, Los Angeles is a difficult difficult place to crack. Of course, yeah. And like it's a really it's a really really tough business that I think LA versus New York really emphasizes the end product. Mm-hmm. Like, are you on a hit show or not? Yeah. Are you famous or not? And it doesn't admire the the build as much as, say, New York does. Mm-hmm. I'll give you an example. If you put up a show in New York, yeah. like what I was doing, like a one-man show, you would start the show at, say, like a public theater. Mm-hmm. The public then cultivates your show. Yeah. They fund it. They produce it. They bring in people to watch it. People come and watch a show that's still in progress because that's fun for them. Yeah. So there's a respect and admiration for even a thing that's being developed. Yeah. Then you go off Broadway, yeah. right? And you do a run at the public or you do the run at the Cherry Lane or whatever. Then you go on Broadway and people for 12 shows a week will come out Tuesday, matinee. Mm-hmm. I'm here to pay to see a show. Yeah. It's incredible. Whereas in LA, it's like, are you on a hit show? Are you on one of the five most popular shows? Okay, if you're not, well, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Did you, if you didn't, you know, there's no respect for all these hardcore actors that are busting their butt trying to work that are honing their craft. And there's also not a respect for that craft or a stage for that to be admired. Yeah. You know? And so it was really hard for me in LA. I remember I lived with this guy who's like a trainer and his girlfriend and I was sleeping on an air mattress. It was just hard. It was just really hard. How long was that for? I was, I mean, I was living like that pretty much, pretty much until like, mm, until I moved to that the spot in downtown. In downtown. Remember at the yeah, Visconti? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, you've been there. So what was that, like 2012, 2013? That was 2012, yeah. Yeah. And that's when I like, and, and that's when, you know, my like fiance like really was like, like get it together. Yeah. You know, and I, I really credit her with giving me this feeling of like, hey, no matter what this industry gives or doesn't give you, that's not what's going to fill up your soul and give you validation. Mm-hmm. Like get a bed. Yeah. Don't sleep on an air mattress, like decorate your apartment, like get a couch, like do these things and live like a human being because you deserve to. Yeah. And, um, getting engaged to her and making the decision to get married and all that stuff. And to be like, to seek validation from my own personal life accomplishments. Yeah. I think that just changed the game for me. Mm -hmm. And I, I just looked at the world differently. Yeah. Like I, I had my own personal checklist. Am I, am I good to be in a, am I good to my wife? Am I good to my family? Um, am I doing the dishes? Like I totally just like sort of separated myself from being like a comedian slob with like dishes piled up and I'm yeah. eating hot pockets and I'm, 
and I'm watching Netflix getting angry like why I can't get that development deal. Yeah. So two very different paths. Of course. You know. And I'm glad you bring that up because um you and Asif are the two I wouldn't say like happiest. Mm-hmm. But you guys Asif is w- extremely happy. <laughs> he yeah, he has I feel like he has a lot of reasons to be happy, but you guys are the least crankiest, the least cynical. Yeah. Comedians I've come across. Yes. Why? How how did that happen, you know? Um, because like a lot of comedians that I've met in LA, like I, I would hang out at the comedy club watching you or watching Fahim and these people are just, these comedians are just not really too happy with themselves or maybe even other people's success. Yeah. But I feel like it's kind of opposite for you guys. You guys are, are very excited for other people's success as well. Yeah. What kind of like sparked you to be like, I'm not going to fall down that I remember I was um, listening to uh, Pete Holmes's podcast. Mm. Pete Holmes had this story about how in New York, this one comic was coming up really fast. He was like ascending to just super. He was taking the elevator. Everybody else was taking the stairs. And then he remembers all of these comedians at the bar hating on this guy. Mm. And he was like three years later, four years later, none of those guys were doing comedy anymore. Mm. And he was like, dude, jealousy is like cancer. Yeah. It'll just kill you. It'll slowly eat away at you and just kill your creativity and just kill everything good, every good cell in your body. And so to me, I was like, man, I gotta, I just gotta get to work, not worry about what other people are doing or not doing. If it serves as inspiration, awesome. Yeah. You know, if it doesn't, so be it. Yeah. So one of like the first big I, I would you call like a big break was MTV's philosophy? I would say the first big break was probably 2000 for so San Francisco big break was winning um, while 949's comedy jam thing where I got to open for all the big headliners that came into town. Yeah, that was really big for me because there was a competition where all the local comedians had to compete. Yeah to open. Yeah, and so it was just an open competition and I won that. Okay, that was crazy because I basically had to beat out other comics that I like look up to and have to like, you know, go up with every, every night. There's that. Then at the end of that, getting um, the stand up for diversity and NBC, NBC stand up for diversity. Yeah. That got me to LA. Okay. And getting the college touring deal. That got me, you know, that A allowed living. me to pay rent. Yeah. You know, and then philosophy and MTV's philosophy was big for me in the sense that um, it was one of those things where they were looking for a late night host for this MTV show and they like auditioned every comic they are like every comic went out to you know host the show yeah and and just being able to go through that whole process auditioning once auditioning twice auditioning three times like kept keep coming back and then to get it that was a big big thing for me yeah yeah um you know, you had that, and then there was like a, a short run on State of Georgia. Correct. Yeah, and uh, that was another thing. Yeah, you, know, you had like, like a recurring character. Uh, yeah. So philosophy got. Some, I don't know if the wounds have healed, but philosophy did get canceled after sure, like season one. And it got, I got like, I, I got, I got reamed. Yeah, yeah. I heard, yeah. I, and I saw some of the uh, just doing the research. We were promoming it and doing a Reddit. The AMA. Reddit, yeah, yeah I, and I got. That's oof, what I read. I went through. I that got ethered. Yeah. Um, did you kind of feel like, how'd you feel? Did you feel like it was your fault? I mean, cause it goes much more. It goes like, there's so many like little things about a channel. I'm, I'm sure you know, but you know, people who are listening. There's so many things I go into like a show being canceled, the time slot, the, the writing. There's so many things. It's not just the host 
you know, it, but like, how did, did you kind of feel like it, it might've fallen on you for a little bit or did you, how did you feel after when it got canceled as well? Well, I mean, I didn't have perspective on it at the time, Yeah. but I was like, man, I'm just, I'm just getting bashed. Mm-hmm. And what I realized is that like, look, uh, there, there's only so much control I have in this situation. Yeah. I got cast by producers, writers, and creators in a network for yeah. this specific show. Yeah. So the show was already set. It is an internet clip show. Mm-hmm. There's no getting around that. Yeah. You just got to go in and do it. And, um, I, you know, when we're promoting the show, I happen to do a Reddit AMA and Reddit is not a forum that likes that sort of stuff. Yeah. They are like hardcore. Which, by the way, I use Reddit. I like Reddit. Yeah. Um, Wouldn't isn't that kind of like the same thing, but online though? Because they, you know, I've never memes. Actually, yeah, 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 sure. Yeah, you know, and those users are okay. Yeah, but, but that, they're like, this is corny. This is dumb. Yeah, like, yeah. Th- uh, this is the worst show ever. Okay. Um, and so, so to me, um, look, I was like, look, I I didn't feel embarrassed by the work I did. I think I did the best I possibly could on that show. Mm-hmm. You know, and look, I can only do the best I can within that format. Yeah. It is an internet clip show. I, I can only make that as funny as that is. Yeah. But, uh, it did hurt a lot. I was like, man, may, maybe I just, I suck, <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah of course. Um, cause they were just like, you suck. The show sucks. I want to punch you in the face. Like they're just ruthless. Yeah. Yeah. Just, the internet. Just, just ruthless. Yeah. Um, and then, um, then I kind of just started to realize like, I think that if I'm going to fall on a sword, I should fall on the sword that I actually write and create and make myself. Yeah. So that's when that's right. Also around the time goat face started happening. Yeah. And then that was sort of another chapter yeah. in my life. Cause that, that sparked, um, the truth with Hassan. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that was a whole like new chapter of like my creative process. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so fast forward a little bit, um, 2014, um, you audition and for the daily show. Yeah. And, and we worked together on the audition. We did. We did. I, I dressed up as an Afghan. So, so wait, why did, when you got the call from me to yeah. do this, why did you say yes? Like, why were you like, cause right. man, like I legitimately love you, Asif, Hassan. I mean, you're uh, Fahim and yeah. Ari. So like yeah. I was in film school and I used to watch your stuff, you know, like yeah. your videos yeah. and, um, film school students suck at everything. You know, they're not good. That's why we're in school to be good, you know? Uh-huh. So they would make these comedic videos and they swore, these kids swore they're like, their stuff was funny. And I'm sitting there in the library and I'm like, and I pull up, I'm like, not nah, this, this is funny. Like these videos are funny. Right. And then, um, so the respect I had for you guys uh-huh. and then being able to like work, collaborate with you guys. Yeah. And it's just like, I wanted, I saw like, you guys were extremely talented. So I uh-huh. really, I wanted I wanted to see everybody succeed. I wanted Asif to see, succeed. I wanted Fahim. So anytime like Asif would be like, oh, I'm on this pilot, I would be like, oh, it was so like, like finally, man, like somebody's with talent is, is getting the shot. Fahim's getting like Conan and um, um, yeah, Seth yeah. Meyers is like, fine, like somebody's getting these. And then when you're like, yo, um, Jon Stewart, I was like, this is it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bro, like, break that glass ceiling or whatever, you right, know, right, this, this right, is right. incredible. So, right. um, I was like, whatever it is, man, uh-huh. let me know how I can help yeah. in any way, anyway. Yeah. But, um, so you did that and, and John loved it and I don't want to go into it because you talk about it in the homecoming King uh-huh. or not the just homecoming King. Yeah. Um, which is your one man show, Correct. which 
I don't want to like pull things from that show because sure. I want it to just be as untouched for this. Okay. Because I really want to encourage everybody, everybody like me and Yusuf watched it last night. And right after Yusuf was like, holy shit. Really? Like, holy shit. That's like, awesome. He was like, that was incredible. You know? Right. And I was like, I was like, wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. A little side note about the show. Right. Why did you choose Gone at the end? Uh, Kanye camera uh, two reasons the show is over like okay. so when you the song gone yeah is like I'm out yeah yeah also the last line of the show I'm, I'll just say the last word of the show is down mm. uh, but the way the sample is on gone yeah it's almost like gone yeah down gone like uh, it like they it almost like it matches yeah also it's a very if you listen to gone of like, the, the way the the way the baseline kicks in mm. it's a very mic drop gone boom yeah you sweater yeah and yeah. i ain't talking about cool j yeah. you a big l and i ain't talking about cool j yeah it's like it goes right in like that okay. that was just like a thing i really want because like when it came out, when the uh, 05 win college, it's a great late, song. Late registration. It's, a, it's, a, it's, it's, and it's also very much like it's a slept on song I know. on that album. People don't, like, people sleep on Gone. And it's not even like stare, like the song, like I would like be in the car and I would show people, I'm like, all right, check this out. And I'd like go on the equalizer thing and I'd put all the speakers to the right side. And it's the strings. It's only the strings. And I'd switch it to the other side. And it's like the piano and everything. I'm like, yeah, yeah they, you know, I just, yeah. I love that song. That was my one of my favorite yeah. top. Like, yeah. But it's very much gone. Like the the theme of the show is I'm out. I'm yeah. gone. Right. Yeah, yeah. And at that moment, at the end where you're at, where we close the show, it's very much like a peace out. This yeah. is it. It's a wrap. And you guys, so yeah. it matches. To me, it thematically matched with what I was trying to say. For sure. You know, in that. In that yeah. yeah. And it was just on such a high note. Yeah. But anyways, that, that was just like a little side tangent. Um, sure. So you get this daily show gig. Right. A job. Mm-hmm. You pack up. Move to New York. Correct. How was the New York comedy scene? Did they... First of all, when you got this, right? Mm-hmm. I just watched um, Don't Think Twice. Oh, I got to so- go see it. Oh, yeah. It was so good. Yeah. I When I saw that, I was like... Was that kind of how it was for Hassan, where it was like people like your peers were like, you didn't deserve that. Like, and then they would see you on TV. Did you feel, did you get any sense? Did you like, were there whispers where they're like, he, like I, I deserve, like, how did he get that, that spot? For me with the daily show, I, I, I don't know. A lot of people, a lot of my friends gave me a lot of love. I didn't hear a, a lot of the other whispers. I'm, I'm very lucky that I don't, I don't hear mm-hmm. that stuff. Yeah. But I truly felt what actually made me felt good was when I got the thing, I was like, I can really do this. Like, I think I, this is what I, I can really do this specific skill set really well. Yeah. Um, whereas if it was like, if I was a cast player on SNL, mm-hmm. be like, man, I don't know. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I felt like I could step into it. It was overwhelming yeah. to work with John, who I think is like, you know, just political satirist legend. Yeah. But. It was like I can do this thing. I mm-hmm. think I have something to add here. Yeah, yeah, and you know, you were like, right the the last year basically. Yeah, last year, like year and a half. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that was like incredible. You know, and that, such a great run. Yeah. So, did you do you still do comedy though in New York? In New York, yes. Because like I continue to do comedy. Yeah. Okay, so you work your hours, and then after the show, Correct. you'd go to like a mic. Right. Uh, a, so right before I got the show, I was already developing Homecoming King as a solo show yeah. in movie script. Okay. And I had developed it at the Sundance Labs. Yeah, yeah. Right? And so 
I did the New Frontier Lab, mm-hmm. which is like a hybrid of storytelling. Like, are you a stage storyteller? Yeah. Are you, you know how they do now do like, they do artists that like, they will, pr- they'll do, they'll do projection artists. Yeah. They'll do yeah, projection yeah. artists, tell a narrative film. It's a hybrid of everything. And so I developed the stage show there with my director, Greg Wallach. Mm-hmm. And that was, that was right, you know, right at the moment that I had booked daily show. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, man, this is a blessing in disguise. I I'm now moving to New York, which is a place that really admires and loves theater, mm-hmm. man. I'm going to take my show and do it there. I still had to develop it for like another year, like just work on it, tweak on it, figure out, you know, like themes and continue yeah. to workshop with my director. But then we put it up and, uh, yeah. I was doing daily show. And, okay. So you are one man show. You're still in New York. You kind of like, you're, like familiar with the comedy scene. I was new to the comedy yeah. scene, but what's great is that there's so many stages yeah. in New York and there's such an audience depending on your neighborhood. What I love about uh, New York is every borough has a very like definitive feel to it. Mm. So if you do a show in Brooklyn, Brooklyn has a feel to it. Yeah. There's re- local residents of Brooklyn, artists, blah, 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 that come to say Union Hall. That's a different part of Brooklyn. That, ha- that has a different energy from uh Hannibal's show yeah uh which is at uh you know um where is the, I miss I'm forgetting the place which is different from Bar Matchless which is another Brooklyn show which is different from you know the Comedy Cellar which is the Village which yeah. is different from you know um another you know club that's on the Upper West Side which is different from Caroline's which mm-hmm. is like in the middle of Manhattan yeah and each of those places has a very specific clientele that goes there yeah and people, real people, real like civilians come out to these shows from each of those respective boroughs and areas. Yeah. And that to me was such a great opportunity to just get up on stage a ton. How is your relationship with like Russell Peters? It's great. Yeah. Russell's one of the first big comics that I opened for. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So um, how did like a international comedian be able to, how did you meet him? How did you, how did he kind of like allow you to open for him because you know you, he's a superstar he's a superstar yeah so he i, I had been passed at the punchline and they give you like three weekends a year that yeah. we get to open for a headliner and molly you know god bless her she linked me up with russell mm-hmm. was like you should open for him so i got to open for him that weekend that was one of my three weekends i got to open that year mm-hmm. and um i met russell and R- russell was one of the first people that i met that you can be a good person and a great talent at the okay. same time you don't have to sacrifice either John was another person that I met where he's a, a really good person and a great talent. Stephen Colbert, another yeah. per- good person, great talent. Yeah. What I, I mean by that ethically. Oh, you can even tell just through their delivery and their stand-up. And it's just, I don't know. I, I guess you really? can, it just radiates from yeah. them that they're not like, when the camera's cut, they're not like, yeah. paying, you know, like breaking things. And yeah. we'll so, do it live. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bill O'Reilly. Bill O'Reilly. Yeah. yeah. So Russell was one of those guys where I remember just, just seeing that side of him where, uh, I was like, hey, can my parents come to the show? Sure thing. He walks over to the manager, uh, is like, hey, give them the best seat in the house. And the Sacramento Punchline, there's these two like back corner, um, there are these little like uh, booths. Yeah. They're the only two booths in the club. Yeah. He's like, yeah, give them that whole booth. And the show's like sold out, 10 shows or eight shows sold out. Yeah, give them that booth. Yeah. And uh, I remember he did that. And then when the show was over, People are filing out. And then I walk into the green room and he goes, bring in your mom and dad. Just proactively wow. being nice. Where's your mom and dad? Yeah. I bring in my mom and dad. Door opens. And he's like, mom, dad. Calls them mom, dad. Hug. Like really awesome stuff. Beautiful. Two, 
third, when the check comes to open, mm-hmm. he was like double his money. What? Yeah. That's he, crazy. Yeah. And like just all that stuff where I was like, man, you can be really incredibly successful, but you can also be gracious and kind and it doesn't take away from your success. It doesn't mean you're soft or not talented or whatever. Yeah. 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 No, that's awesome because, you know, rumor has it that, um, you know, uh, early on in your career, you had a little run in with another Asian, South Asian right. comedian, Aziz. Right, right, right. We didn't, we never had a run in. Okay. That's the thing. We never worked so together. So was it just a rumor? Yeah. No, I mean, it was that, I mean, that's just hearsay. There was, there was no bump, there was no bumping of heads because we'd never, we never met. But I saw him, he came to the Daily Show and, you okay. know, I saw him when he was promoting Modern Romance. Okay. His book. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So there's never a moment where he kicked you off a show. No, I, we never, we never physically met. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like for the longest time, I, I, outside of like maybe like Richard Pryor and like Bill Cosby, right. it was just like a white man's game. Sure. You know, maybe like you throw in like one or two females here and there. Right. For like, I'm talking about like mainstream headlining yeah. sold out shows. Yeah. You know, do you feel like now with social media, it's helped? Make yeah. it more I think, diverse. I think I think social media and the internet has just revolutionized the game. Yeah. Like this idea of like of of uh, mainstream. It's it's just like, do you have an audience? Do you not? Yeah. And that's that's really it. Mm-hmm. So to me, I stopped looking at it at, at the game of like, oh, will 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 the industry accept it? So on and so forth. Like, Hamilton is one of the biggest Broadway musicals ever. Yeah, yeah. And it is it is written by are we okay no yeah Yeah. this is koreatown this is why we do it in the apartment uh because things are like it's just natural i was like what is going on is there a woodpecker yeah and we just just ignore it (laughs) yeah so so uh so yeah like um hamilton is one of the 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 most successful broadway shows of the year yeah right i mean and it you know that that is such a brown and black show Mm -hmm. it's like performers of color playing the founding fathers in hip-hop like super super you know not mainstream but yeah. it is and if, if it it is just fantastic and it found its audience and it's it, it appeals to everybody yeah so to me it's like it's not a matter of like maybe it's just my own personal opinion i just don't want to put onus on anybody else i'm just going to work for myself and, and and try to make those opportunities happen are you do you still read yeah okay so that's i remember like when, just ignore the knocking. Sure, sure, sure. Um, because when when I would come to your apartment, uh, like when you're like shooting your room or something, you just had like these books, right? And it was all these like different kind of books yeah. everywhere. You know, yeah. you had like Michael Jordan and um, some other authors and like and other books, right? What like made you continue reading to like? Because I like I really don't know that many people that are as passionate about reading. I don't know if, if it's a passion, but right. you just read a lot. Yeah. Because uh, I think you even brought up the library. You're like, oh, this is from the library. I was like, you go to the library? Yeah, the downtown LA library, I man. Like, I used to hit the DTLA library. DTLA library is great. I've never... I it's had, beautiful in there, man. I haven't stepped foot in the library in Los Angeles for the past four years that I've been go here. go to the library. So what, what was this whole like um, love for books? For me, it was just... Um, I don't know. My sister was really a voracious reader yeah. and she's so bright and everybody I know that is, was really doing it. Yeah. Like really doing it on any level, whether, whether it's an author or a filmmaker or whatever, I, you find out they're voracious readers. Yeah. Everybody. Uh-huh. Lin-Manuel Miranda, voracious uh-huh. reader. John Stewart, voracious reader. Stephen Colbert, voracious reader. Like not just like, Oh, I read, I read the Harry Potter. No, they read. 
Tolstoy, everything. Yeah. And so to me, um, also, I just uh, I got a lot of um, when I when I feel like when I read, my brain is like working way more. Yeah. Than when I'm like just looking at a screen. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, so I, you know, reading at night and stuff like that, I just like doing that and falling yeah. asleep and. I don't know. It's weird. Like when I, when I read at night, like my dreams are way more vivid. Mm. They're super vivid. Yeah. yeah. Whereas I don't know when, when I'm, when I watch movies and TV and stuff, it's not, not as much. Yeah. Yeah. Which is weird because like the medium that I do work in is visual. Yeah. But I really like, oh. like I have a, I have a graphic novel right there. I'm reading. And right there in your backpack. Yeah. Kingdom come. Kingdom come. Kingdom That's come. crazy. Yeah. Um, Cause I was going to ask well, what, what you're reading now, but like, no. We're, and I'm reading yeah. Kingdom Come and I'm reading No God But God. Okay. Yeah, right now. Yeah. Um, if people want to check that out, they yeah. can. Um, no, I, I I only bring that up because, like, the things that, like, you, Fahim, and Asif, and Ari would do always, like, because I just got to L.A. at that time, you know, mm-hmm. and I was just kind of, like, figuring out what to do. I was like, what do I do from here? You know? Right. And, um, and then you would always bring a podcast and like in this podcast and that podcast and this, and this was like 2013. Yeah. And, you know, like I didn't, I was like, what's a podcast? Yeah. I was heavy in the podcast game before man. podcast became yeah, the mainstream. I used, to, lo- thing, I used to love, yeah, I used to love podcasts. And then you were on a lot of podcasts as well. And that kind of like encouraged me to get into it, you know? Yeah. And, um, what was like, and, and it's just like podcasts, I feel like you've always been like just searching for knowledge, right. you know, from like everywhere, whether it's books or whether it's from like podcasts or wherever you can find it, Sure, you know? Um, and does that tie into your upbringing with like the heavy focus on education? Cause uh, interesting. you know, d- d- does it link back to your upbringings because you did finish school and you were about to go to grad school or medical school, law or school, law school. school. That's yeah. what I'm sorry. Yeah. Do you feel like your work ethic and everything that, you know, is it education based? You know, this, this like pursuit in academia, even though you're outside of the academic, academic world, you know? I just feel like I'm lucky in the sense that I get to do what I want to do. And the fact that I, I have that rare opportunity. Yeah. I can't throw it away. Man. I mean, look, I, I I had a nine to five job. I used to work at like, you know, a tech company. Yeah. And like, and I, every job I've had. Yeah. I've basically been fired from Safeway, Office Max, and Ing, you know, and it's like that's from 16, you know, to 18 to 22, 23. That's right. And that there was just this part of me that's like, I just can't do the rigmarole. Mm-hmm. I cannot, there's just something intrinsically in me. I just can't do the yeah. cubicle thing, the following arbitrary rules. I can't do, I can't buy. It's really hard for me to just buy in. Yeah. So the fact that I got to do this thing and make a career out of basically being a pirate, yeah. I feel really lucky. And because of that, it's like, this is all just, Wow, so I'm reading this book and it's teaching me about something that's already going to benefit. This is awesome, great. Yeah. Like, to me, it's just like, man, I'll just I'll maximize this to the to the, to the nth degree. Yeah. So like for you, it wasn't just like chasing a dream. You know, it was like a dream, but with a plan. You know, because um, you didn't just like like I want to do. I only bring this up because I have a lot of kids hitting me up on like social media. Like, sure, I'm moving to LA next week, and I'm like, um okay, why? Like, I'm going to figure it out when I get there. I feel like what you kind of did from what I've seen is like, you're like, I have a plan. I'm going to finish school. I'm going to do this. You took, um, you're studying to go, but then things like you looked at it at at a more practical sense, you know? Yeah. I just tried to take it maybe like, cause it wasn't just like a a few months at a time. Yeah. And it wasn't like, I'm just going to close my eyes and jump. Mm -hmm. It was like, 
every step you took, you made sure there was, it was like a firm step, you know? Yeah. Um, and were you balancing this like nine to five work while you're doing comedy as well? Yeah. Cause I heard like you you were at, at a startup right after you kind of graduated. Correct. So I'd have to bring like my laptop with the, what's the little like square thing with let's uh, you get internet, oh, oh, internet oh, reception. Oh. Yeah. You know what I'm talking the, about? The, like the, the, Veri- the, the Verizon air, things. The, yeah. The air or whatever. Yeah. The air cards or yeah. whatever it was. Yeah. yeah. The, the, like the cards where you get internet connection and then I would Before go. Before hot spotting. Was yeah, yeah. And I would go to like, I would be in the green room and I would be answering queries for tech support, basically my job. Okay. And then I would go on stage, come back, still answer queries, you know? Yeah. Yep. And you got fired from that. Correct. Okay. Yeah, I mean, there was just a, there was like a come to Jesus moment where like my my manager basically came up to me and was like, you know, it feels like you don't want to be here. Yeah. Is there somewhere else you'd want to be? Yeah. And what's crazy is I actually knew exactly where I'd want to be. I remember it was like eight forty five, nine o'clock at night. I was still at the office, and Chappelle was doing a pop in run at at the the punchline at the time. Yeah. What a rare opportunity to get to go see him do like of course three hours on stage. You yeah, know, yeah. In your town. And I was like, I know exactly where I would want to be. And I felt actually in that moment, like, that's like, you know exactly what you want to do. Very few people know exactly what they want to do. Yeah. They know like the family, the general vicinity. I want to do some, want. Something, something in like entertainment, this. something in like Why? this field. Oh, I like music videos. Okay. Yeah. Well, what specifically? Are you yeah. talking about cinematography? Are you talking about? So to me, I felt very like I knew exactly what it was. And there's only one other time I heard that. Do you ever see the documentary Kobe Bryant and Muse? I haven't. Kobe talks about it in Muse where he's like, I feel very lucky because I found what I loved Mm -hmm. very early on and I was good at it. Yeah. So then the rest is set basically. Yeah. You know that he's lucky. Yeah. So he found what he loved and he was good at it. Those are two things, you know, and, and, and I I don't want to take that out of the equation either. You also have to have a level of talent. Yeah, of course. Right. Yeah, and you got to be very honest with yourself. So I love basketball. You know, growing up, I love basketball. You know, I grew up playing with these guys. Yeah. Yeah. I was not good. There was a, you know what I mean? There's just, I hit a ceiling. Yeah. You know, so it's, it doesn't matter how much my love for sneakers are playing, it's going to hit the ceiling. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so this year was massive for you. You've had many, many viral videos, especially uh-huh. with The Daily Show uh-huh, right. this year. And yeah. the biggest mm-hmm. was the Correspondence Dinner. Right. That was awesome. Hijabis are going to get harassed in the streets. Members from the trans community are going to be demonized for using the bathroom. And my brothers and sisters in the African-American community, their spines are going to continue to get shattered in the back of paddy wagons until we stand up and say something. And the thing that hurts me the most is, I wish I would have done more. Oh, thanks. Okay, so um, how did that happen? How did you prepare for that? And this is the last question, so uh, because I know you're on a time crunch. How did that happen? How did you prepare for that? And how did you feel? So we'll take it first step by step. How did you, okay. how did it happen? How did it happen? Did just, they reach out to you? Or yeah. So I got, I got an offer, you know, like, Hey, would you like to host the congressional correspondence dinner? Yeah. So basically there's the white house correspondence dinner, which is for the president and the yeah. press. And then there's the JV. <laughs> Far congressional. City, yeah. yeah. And then congressional. the JV one. Yeah. So this is for Congress. Yeah. And so it's basically the diet correspondence dinner. So I was like, sure, but I'll still do it. I mean, this yeah, is a great opportunity. Of course. Then what, I, you know, so I'm just preparing for this. I, you know, I'm, I have like three weeks, four weeks to prepare for it. Okay. So I start, you know, working on it, taking it, going around to the different clubs mm-hmm. in New York, preparing my act. Yeah. But I basically just b- broke down. Okay. I got 20 minutes to do this thing. 20, 22 minutes on stage, 20 yeah. to 22. 
what are the chunks that I want to work on? And I just sort of broke it down into chunks, chunk this, chunk this, chunk this, chunk this. Yeah. And I kept working on it. It reached out to friends, worked on it with them. Hey, these are the themes I'm hitting. Help me. You know, yeah. I worked, worked on it with some of the writers from the daily show, worked on it with some of my writer friends here. This guy named Prashant, Trayvon, like mm-hmm. guys that I work, I've worked with in the past before. Yeah. And then, you know, I keep working it, keep working it. And then three days before the dinner, Orlando happens. Yeah. Ironically enough, Orlando was a very interesting um, th- thing that happened because it's it was specifically centered. A lot of the dialogue was centered around Congress mm-hmm. and their inaction in regards to gun control. Oh yeah. So I was like, okay, this is crazy that like we're in the eye of the storm and the people that are responsible for this thing, yeah, are going to be in the same room that I'm performing in. Yeah. So then I also have to pivot and be be aware. It's like Orlando was also very strange in the sense that the the dude was also Muslim. Yeah, yeah. Right? So it's this, it's this like, it's this like, it was this really heated, just boiling thing yeah. in, in, in popular culture. Yeah. And the Venn diagram of all this stuff happening was right in that room. Congress, Muslim, brown host, yeah. you know. Uh, radical Islamic jihadist terrorist that rhetoric that's going on in the in the space gun yeah. control all this is happening in one room so I was like I should address this yeah right so then three days before I just start working on well what 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 is the closing statement that I would make and that's kind of what you saw that's what yeah I, yeah and the shift was like 180 because you even were like how do I pivot from that you know and right. then it just got very somber at that moment right um, how did you like? Were you nervous? Were you like this could be really it could backfire because right. it might not be the right place to do it? Did right. you like ever question it, or were you like this is, has to happen? I have to say this. Um, for me, it was like, I you know working at the Daily Show. I know you know our show, Larry's show, Sam's show, Oliver's show. Steven's show everybody we're speaking you know to the camera to our audience yeah but then it's just going out into the ether of our audience yeah very rarely do you get to look the actual people into the face in the face yeah like actually look at Mitch McConnell to his face and say what you're feeling yeah and I was like man I'd be remiss if I didn't take this for shot you know yeah and I had has anyone I like from the other uh, correspondence center from White House that I've seen as well no one's really like the joke stopped and it was like five minutes of just seriousness, you know, where, right. where, where you like, how did you feel though? Like, where, were you like nervous? Well, I was you're... nervous before. I mean, you can see it on the, the, the clip that I yeah. can see this man put, put up the whole clip when they like brought me to the stage. Mm-hmm. I'm like nervous. You can see like, I'm nervous when I'm walking up to the podium because up to that point, the whole night was just like compliments and like, yeah, yeah, we're great up to that point. And then they're like, and give it up for the comedian. And then I, I'm, I'm sort of the keynote, whatever. Yeah. And I'm nervous because I'm like, oh, man, like this is about to turn. Yeah. And uh, once I sort of got going, then I was like, all right, well, we're going to do this. Yeah. Because to me, I was like, look, either way, I'm not here to impress them. Mm-hmm. This is not what this is about. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, you're, you're, you never get invited back anyways. Oh, yeah. So swing for the fences. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, Nobody's going to remember the jokes. In all honesty, very rarely do people remember the jokes. Yeah. Like jokes, like they dissolve very quickly. So if you if there's some sort of real meaning, there's some sort of like real thing that can anchor this, mm-hmm. some thesis statement, 
and it actually has a unifying theme to it. Yeah. People will remember it, hopefully. Yeah. Um, what did John Kasich say to you right after? Oh, that was interesting. Because I was like, I, I was watching it live, and yeah. he like whispered like afterwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He was, was actually really like, he was really. Because um, he was one of those Republican. You yeah. Know, I didn't know if he was going to be he like. He was actually really reasonable. He was oh. like, look, really great stuff, really funny stuff. I just want you to know that all of us aren't just bought by yeah. the by by lobbyists. Mm. And the NRA. And he made a really, really important point. He was like, look, I just want to let you know that, like, you know, from my state, Ohio, it's an open carry state. For any time there's any sort of piece of legislation in regards to guns, any time that's put on the floor and it's up for any sort of, you know, legislation, I will get calls in a 10 to 1 ratio. 10 people being, hey, don't take away my guns. Yeah. To one of people being like, hey, please please restrict uh please enact some more yeah. common sense gun control oh yeah so yeah. he's like look i am just answering my base yeah so he's As like constituents just, just just from a number standpoint their voice is louder yeah. i'm a representative of my constituents i'm speaking on their behalf yeah so hey there's also some responsibility for the left mm-hmm. you guys have to step up and do more too for sure and i was like okay he was actually really reasonable and rational i i got i got i respected it yeah incredible man thank you so much for coming by man cool so um, Uh, do you guys ever close with like a question from the fans now we don't care what they think damn (laughs) yo let me ask you a question okay why are you so ruthless to everybody on twitter because the ali Ali balook in person (laughs) versus the ali balook on twitter yeah is you're like emo and angry on twitter okay i can see that yeah Yeah. like you're like you're like yo life is meaningless go kill yourself (laughs) i don't uh, and then in real life you're like a sweetheart yeah, until like if someone brings up something really dumb, and I'm just like, oh my god, I can't, you know, like, I don't know. Some people just say things because like, social media is, we have like the everything, all information we need is at our fingertips, and they'll ask a question that they could have easily googled, right? And it's just like a very like com- like I'll do a hashtag, like some world tragedy would happen, and I would just write that hashtag, right, you right. know, like pray for Aleppo or something, something. Like and I'll, or I'll write just Aleppo, like hashtag. And then they'll be like, LOL, what? I'm like, you, you couldn't have like clicked like What does that mean? I'm like, you couldn't have just clicked that, that uh, the, it's, I hashtagged it for a reason. So you can click on it right. and read all the, so like when people, a lot of people just come at me with some like ridiculous things. And you just get impatient because you're dealing with 14 year olds that sometimes, that but like luckily for, for, for this podcast, our um, demographic is 18 to 24 year olds. Okay. That's our like majority. And then our second biggest demographic is um, 25 to 31 right. year olds. It's a little bit more. Grown. So we have a very mature um, podcast audience, but my Twitter audience are, you know, sometimes you just got to fry some kids, man. <laughs> you know, yeah, man, you straight roast them. <laughs> You know, I'll, sometimes I'll just go through your Twitter feed just for oh, fun. No. I'm like, oh, oh man, I want to see the dark side of Baluk. Um, it's sometimes like I worry because people, I'm, I'm like, how, I wonder how many people, because I have some like imams that follow me. Whoa. On, like there and on Snapchat, yeah. like religious leaders. And I forget because like when you're in the moment, you're, when you're like just sitting there on the toilet and you're going through Twitter and someone says something, you just like instantly reply yeah. and you don't think like, oh, you had this run where you were going after like brown fuckboys, and I'm like, oh my oh, god, that was no, great. I take pride in that. I take that was like it was um the, the um Wola Bros, because yeah. it's like these religious guys who and it kind of goes across every like religious sect or like every kind of religious group. There's people that use their religion to 
be misogynistic and okay. be sexist, you know? And oh, they kind of, so I, we, we, I, cl- I made a classification of how you can identify these guys, <laughs> like a 10 step guide. Okay. Um, but that's that. Yeah. Okay. So hopefully, I don't know. I, I, I take pride in my, because right. I, I, I don't know. I, I, it's, it's a deep thing. It's, it's a, that'll be for your podcast. If you ever yeah, start man, up. you get turned yeah. <laughs> digital Balook. You know why, man? You know, what's so funny is that when I saw that, I was like, oh, maybe the articles are right. They yeah. always talk about how millen- like quote unquote millennials in on like the internet are yeah. so different from in real life. Do you yeah. feel like that's true? Like no. real life Ali is different. No, from, no. They're I, just, they're I, just as weird. Maybe and, you forgot those times we were kicking it, but like, I'm pretty cynical, man. Really? I, I'm just like, I remember you're like, hey, so like, how are your roommates? And I was like, I don't talk to my roommates. And you're like, I know, yeah. yeah. And, like, All and right. you're like, why are they bad? I'm like, no, they're like the nice people. And I just like come in and don't even say like, I just go to my room and sit in my room for hours and hours. And you're like, oh, so you're the douchebag of yeah. your house. I was like, I guess so, man, you know, yeah. but um, no, I, I don't know. I, I feel like my, my online persona is, oh, and, and on top of that, like, I feel like you have to be a little bit more extra uh, because I am Muslim. You know, I have to, <laughs> this is, instead of me be being, extra what? instead of being like extra, like, hey, we're friendly, you know, we're not, I got to be like an extra level of douchiness because if I come on like just a little bit more pious or whatever, or like somewhat nice, if you say anything out of line, your audience will be like, whoa, you're supposed to be like this poster boy for your religion. How dare you say? So if you already have your bar low oh, and you're already a douchebag. Okay. If you say something a little bit positive or a little bit good or a little bit like, you know, whatever, they're like, oh, that's nice of him. Cool. But I can still keep that baseline. I, you know, <laughs> like I'm not held to like this high standard of right. like this pious guy that has to like be like. This sounds so exhausting. It is. No, it's this not. It's so not, exhausting. It's really not because you can just drop down to the like your laziest self. Oh, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. And then, you know, yeah. But then when you're, yeah. So that's, that's kind of like a little reasoning. But anyways, um. But one thing, last last thing, because I know you gotta go. What's um, up? Watch you guys definitely go. Homecoming King. It. Some of the shows are sold out. The link is in the description. Find it in the city. How many more cities are left? I think it's 25, 26. Homecomingkingshow.com. It's Homecoming. really simple. Yeah. I, I know dumb people are going to ask this question. Yeah. Oh. Where do I get ticks? And I, it's it, like literally in my Twitter bio, literally on the website. You could Google it. That's it's literally exactly, everywhere. That's exactly the type of things I get. And in every post for every city, yeah. it's like Phoenix, I'm coming. Yeah. Ticks. Yeah. It's like, yo, where do I get ticks? Yeah. So I'm gonna drop. We're doing Phoenix and Austin next. I'm gonna watch. I'm gonna post the poster for Phoenix. Okay. And then I go, hey dude, when are you coming to LA? It'll literally, it'll be like, yeah. Okay. So this podcast is gonna go up tomorrow morning. Cool. Like in a few hours. So you will be in Phoenix tonight. No, no. I won't be in Phoenix tonight. I'll be in Phoenix two Tuesday or Wednesday, and then Austin. Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. So Phoenix tomorrow then, and okay. then Austin after. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Um. One thing that you, uh, last thing is that about the show. Okay, never mind. It, no, no, no. What's up? It's 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 really it's just like one thing that you said about like immigrant parents, right? That like um, they love to hold secrets. Yeah. I just I there's so much I can say about that. I just want to sure. comment that I just I I agreed with that. Thank you. Because <laughs> I feel like our our parents like we don't know them. Oh uh, well. man, there's and a there's a whole sub story that oh my god secrets. Yeah, so that's like chamber of secrets. So if you guys want to hear more about that, like this episode, and then we'll have him on a future 
episode, but all your info is going to be in our description, your Twitter, yeah. your Instagram. At Hasamanaj, yeah. Yeah, and the link to your show, man. Homecomingkingshow.com, yep. Thank you for swinging by the apartment, man. Thanks, Baluk X. <laughs> all right, man. Awesome. Oh man, that was just a lot of information thrown at us in a very smart way. You know, um, I think this is just a testament to anyone who wants to get into entertainment and or just not even that any type of like work that you want to get into. This interview was just like testament of like the hard work you need to put in and so you can get to where you want to get to. And, you know, I, I feel like Hassan wasn't like a guy that just I'm sure he took chances by like with his gut instinct on things but like everything was just really well thought out and everything was just prepared and it like he hasn't half asked anything um and like i mentioned in the interview like when i first got to los angeles i didn't know anything about the industry i would look up to these guys like without asking them because i was like you know um, this insecure guy to be like, I don't know what I'm doing, but like, I would just watch them and see what they were doing. And, and I learned a lot from their work ethic, from how serious they were on just like knowing their craft, you know? So I love this. I feel like the older folks and the, and the kids with dreams will really appreciate this episode. Thank you guys so much for watching. We are, well, we're trying to be the number one podcast and we can't be the number one podcast without you guys. So make sure to click subscribe. Please share and spread the love of the podcast, but then also spread your hate in the comments. We're not getting enough hate, you guys. And Asif was like, you know what? F this. I'm not going to show up because they're not hating enough. So he's like, maybe if I'm not there, they might be like, this podcast sucks without Asif. And so that's what we're hoping for you guys to say. Um, if you haven't yet, check out our last episode with Uldos and the one before that with Zach and Walid and the one before that with Yuna and the one before that and that and blah, 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 blah. So make sure to subscribe and shout out to our producers, Imran J. Khan and Samir Khan for helping us develop this awesome show. And we'll see you guys next week with a surprise, our biggest guest yet you might find out by the time this is uploaded who it is but he's the biggest guest we will have and then we'll have more female guests i promise once they reply in my emails so i'll see you guys next week